This is K.M. Wyland, and you are listening to the 345th episode of the Helping Writers Become Authors podcast. This is my favorite time of year. Everything just comes to life, including me, in the warm months. It's usually a comparatively very happy, tranquil time of year for me, and my creativity always feels very nurtured amongst all the sunshine and growing plants. So it's been a great time of the year for me to start in on my new outline for Dreambreaker, the sequel to my Portal Fantasy Dreamlander. I've also switched up my schedule again so I can get up an hour earlier, work out, and then brew that first cup of coffee and dive right into the writing. And I love the outlining part of the process, perhaps more than any other. For me, this is a rampant few months of unleashed creativity and brainstorming. There's zero pressure in an outline to write perfect prose, or really to get anything perfect. So instead, I get to chase all the rabbit trails in the story, tracking down all the juicy developments as I start really getting to know my story and developing a solid weave of cause and effect in the plot. I'm still in the very early stages, what I call general sketches on this book. So there's so much to think about and consider in taking advantage of all the loose ends from the first book. I hope your creativity is similarly thriving this summer. The latest post on my blog is use minor characters to flesh out your protagonist. Did you know the most important function of minor characters has nothing to do with them and everything to do with your protagonist? Find out how Iron Man 2 used this technique to great effect and how you can too. This is the third in the series, The Do's and Don'ts of Storytelling, According to Marvel, which you can find on my site at helpingwritersbecomeauthors.com. And now I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast entitled Most Common Writing Mistakes Part 52, Stagnant Story Conflict. What's so hard about story conflict? You throw your protagonist and your antagonist onto the page, insta-conflict, right? Actually, not so fast. Turns out creating a fascinating story world in which dwells a fascinating hero and an evil villain is not enough in itself to create integral and interesting story conflict. I've read quite a few unfortunate stories in which the protagonist spent the majority of the book pacing around his base thinking about that dirty antagonist and all his dirty deeds. The protag shakes his fist at the sky, curses the antag, and promises to make him pay. Then he resumes pacing. Finally, the climax rolls around, the protag and antag meet, they fight, the protag wins. Of course, the author is lucky if I've actually stuck around long enough to read his fascinating climax, since all that pacing on the protagonist's part slipped me the mickey chapters and chapters ago. The dangerous part of all this is that it's super easy for authors to fall into this mistake without even realizing it. But never fear, there is an easy precautionary measure you can take to make sure your conflict is alive and well throughout your entire story. But first, do you understand the true nature of story conflict? Where many authors go wrong with their conflict is simply in failing to understand what a story conflict really is. Is story conflict a protagonist and an antagonist on opposite sides of a war? Is it two characters arguing? Is it two characters duking it out? Two characters nuking it out? Is it an evil antagonist making your protagonist's life miserable? Is it an evil antagonist giving your protagonist an opportunity to look awesome? 
Or is it good stomping all over evil on its way to ultimate triumph? Short answer, no. All of these are often manifested aspects of story conflict, but they are not in themselves conflict. What this means, of course, is that you can create all of the above in your story and still not have a story. Without organic conflict, the above elements will only ever be flimsy window dressing. Conflict as plot is about much more than simply characters who nominally oppose one another. Fundamentally, conflict is about two things. Number one, goal, and number two, obstacle. Your protagonist and your antagonist each want something, and they're each getting in each other's way. As a result, they must keep readjusting their tactics in an attempt to outmaneuver the other. Remember, in our couple podcasts ago, we talked about how the antagonist's goal powers the conflict. This is what drives your story conflict on the macro level of your entire plot. And it does that by first powering your story in a seamless line of cause and effect throughout every single scene. Remember scene structure. Proper scene structure looks like this. We have two parts of the scene. The first one is scene, which is the action part, which is then composed of three parts of its own. Number one, goal. The character wants a smaller something that will help him gain his overall story goal. Number two, conflict. An obstacle prevents the character from gaining his goal. And number three, disaster. The obstruction leads to a whole new set of problems, which leads into the second half of the scene, the sequel or reaction half, which again is divided into three parts. Number one, the reaction. The character must reflect on his new setback. Number two, the dilemma. The character must face the new set of problems created by the disaster. And number three, the decision. The character must come up with a plan for a new scene goal, which will help him gain his overall story goal. When all your scenes are focused on a specific mini goal designed to help your character gain his overall story goal, and that goal is then met with a specific obstacle related to or empowered by the antagonist in some way, then your story conflict will never stagnate. It will be organic and powerful. Your characters will never need to spend their time pacing the room and thinking about the conflict because they will always be driving it forward. Here's the problem. Too many authors write story conflict that isn't conflict so much as it is a delaying tactic to fill up their books until they can actually get around to the climax. The characters have to do something, right? And if they meet up with the antagonist too soon and defeat him, well, then the story is over right then and there, isn't it? So what can you do to fill all those intervening chapters? Maybe something like this. Brunhilde walked down the hall at Fort Nibelung, headed for her third briefing of the day. The elevator pinged and Colonel Wagner stepped out and hailed her. Terrible about what Admiral Valkyr is cooking up out there in the Rhinegold Wastes, isn't it? Brunhilde clutched her files closer to her chest. Terrible, and to think he was my stepfather. What did you learn in this morning's meeting? The hover carriers are getting closer every day. What does General Siglind want us to do about it? Just wait for now. What else can we do? The colonel's face tightened. True, but war is coming, make no doubt. Sounds kind of tense, right? It's true, there's nothing inherently wrong with this scene. As long as Brunhilde and the colonel enter that briefing room and receive orders to immediately charge out there to sabotage the admiral's fearsome hover carrier by midnight tonight. 
But what if the briefing drones on, telling readers more about the evil admiral and his evil plans? What if, after the briefing, Brunhilde heads off to the lunchroom where she and her aide, Siegfried, pull long faces and mourn the news of the admiral's atrocities? What if they then head down to the training room to hone their already long-honed skills so they'll be ready when the admiral finally attacks? Are you bored yet? Because I'm bored just in having written that severely condensed paragraph. There's no story conflict there. There's just characters talking about the potential for conflict. Whatever that is, it ain't plot. Now, picture this. What if, instead of rambling around Fort Nibelung mulling on the awfulness of having an evil admiral for his stepfather, Brunhilde, Colonel Wagner, and Siegfried get their acts together and decide on a plan of action? If ending the war is their main story goal, then every single scene goal should be related to that goal in some way. What can Brunhilde want in this scene that will be the first step toward defeating the admiral and accomplishing her story goal? What obstacle will prevent her from easily and entirely gaining that goal? What new goal will that inspire? Every scene should lead her, hard-fought step by hard-fought step, closer to her ultimate goal of taking down Stepdaddy. So, consider. Brynhilde stalked down the hall at Fort Nibelung, headed for her third briefing of the day. The elevator pinged, and Colonel Wagner stepped out and hailed her. Terrible about what Admiral Volker is cooking up there on the Rheingold Wastes, isn't it? Brynhilde clutched her files closer to her chest. Nobody's doing anything about it. If I didn't know better, I'd say our good General Singlade is taking orders from the Admiral. The Colonel grabbed her arm and stopped her. What did you learn in this morning's meeting? The hover carriers are getting closer every day. What does the General want us to do about it? Just wait for now. What else can we do? The Colonel's face tightened. What if I told you I'm looking for volunteers for a top-secret mission? An emotion somewhere between fear and hope sprang up in Brunhilde's chest. Well, sir... Then I tell you, you just found your first volunteer. Can you spot the single greatest difference between the two versions of this scene? This is it in a nutshell. The second example moves the plot. The characters are in a totally different place at the end of the scene than they were at the beginning. Contrast that to the first example. What changed there? Say it with me. Nada. Now, here's a challenge for you. Go through your latest story scene by scene and ask yourself the following four questions. Number one, can you identify your character's scene-specific goal in each scene? Number two, does that goal tie into the overall story goal? Number three, is that goal met by conflict that will inspire a new goal in the next scene? And number four, does the nature of your story change in each scene? If you find a scene in which the characters in the conflict are both in essentially the same place at the end as they were at the beginning, then it's a pretty sure bet you're looking at some stagnant story conflict. Rooted out ruthlessly by creating dynamic conflict, and readers will stay glued to the page. Thank you for listening to the Wordplay Podcast. To read a transcript of this episode, you can visit my website at helpingwritersbecomeauthors.com. And be sure to check back again next week. <laughs>